Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Wow. 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 <laughs> wow. Look at us. We're Look s- at us. We're saying anything. Caitlin, one of the things I've always loved about you is that you'll say kind of anything you know i feel like there's a version of say anything that's about like a shock jock you know <laughs> this guy'll say anything. he's not afraid to say it like it is it's actually a joe rogan biopic title <laughs> when you think about it because <laughs> that man simply does be saying anything he um, really does <laughs> he'd be saying so many things <laughs> welcome to the backstall cast my name is Jamie Loftus and my name is Kaylin Durante and <laughs> we are doing a little intro for a show that we did live in Portland so most of this episode is the live show and I think that's kind of really all we need to say to introduce it. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I we, we were in uh, Portland, Oregon. We were at one of our favorite places, Curious Comedy Theater. Support them if you're in the area. And uh, we didn't have a guest on this show. And that's because we are special. We're so strong and independent. We watched this movie. And we're like, hmm, it's a love story between a father and his daughter. We've got this one. We've got this one. <laughs> And we Ooh. put on our little outfits and we doot, doot, doot it out to stage. And uh, actually, what I will say before that, if you want to see us doot, doot, doot out on stage, mm-hmm. um, we are announcing a bunch of tour dates for next year coming up soon, as well as in Los Angeles on December 10th. If you're in town, we're covering It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. At Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. Ever heard of it on December 10th? Tickets for that are on sale. You can grab them on our Linktree, Linktree slash Bechtel cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for more tour dates. And also, if you want to see us 
doot 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 out on stage for this specific show that you're about to hear the episode for, let's say you want a visual aid or you just want to see more stuff because we cut out some like fun and games from the audio version of the episode, but that you can see in video format, you can buy on demand tickets. The link for that will also be on our link tree. So yes, and we looked so cute that cute. night, not for nothing. Uh-huh. So, uh, so please en- enjoy that. But it, but if you know, if if you want to just listen in the car, we understand. Yeah, and here we are saying quite literally anything. Anything. <laughs> the Beckdale cast. So before we start the show, I just want to do some housekeeping. We've received some really excellent treats. Some un- I feel like okay. First of all. We love being in Portland so much. It's the city we have come to most in the country. Yeah. We absolutely love doing shows here. We literally do shows here more so than where we live. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we really love it here. We, we love getting to hang out with you guys here. And uh, I, I will say consistently, because we were here earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and give it up if you were here earlier this year. All right. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. Some returning friends. Uh, yeah, and so you'll remember that, uh, you know, there were a number of hot dogs brought and I threw a knife at the audience. Um, and Portland did not disappoint this time around because uh, early, I got a, I got a, I checked my other folder the other day and uh, that's a dangerous place to be. Yes, yes yeah. it is. Uh, but I got one of the most pleasant uh, messages in the entire world from a man named Julian from Old Town Pizza next door. Give it up for there. Um, saying what I have been waiting for someone to say to me my whole life, which is, do you want a hot dog pizza hot mm-hmm. and ready next door? Yeah. So I would like to present to you an offer to the audience, hot dog pizza. <laughs> like, it's and like you can if you're within 50 feet you can smell it. Yes. Uh, does anyone want some? Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll give some out during the recap. I'll I'll, I'll come out into the. I have, we've got some plates. I just really want to spread, spread the joy <laughs> here. All right. All right. Okay. We're here. It's a chaotic start to the show. It sure is. Yeah. So thanks yeah. once again to you for being here. Thank you yeah. so much. Give it up for yourselves. Yeah. And. Give it up to the people watching the live stream from wow. wherever you are. They're like, oh, how stinky is that pizza? <laughs> and you're like, oh, baby, oh, you baby. have no idea. <laughs> it is a stinky pizza. And I mean that as a big compliment. Yes. Yeah. So has anyone here never listened to our show before? <gasps> oh, you raised I your hand. Oh, a couple hands there. coming there. up. This is really fun because I've never heard someone put their hands together. It's just just a shameful, shaky <laughs> raise yes. of the hand. It's fine. Like it's just a podcast. It is not a big deal. It's probably you're like mentally healthier than most of the people here. <laughs> if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't listen to podcasts, it's fine. We should we should tell we should let those three people know <laughs> what the show is. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, we are the Bechtel cast. We analyze movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, what is that? Oh, I will tell you. It is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Allison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel Wallace test. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of versions of the test. But uh, basically, it was made as a bit in the 80s for the incredible comic collection Dykes to Watch Out For. 
Um, I knew I knew we would get a whistle for that because uh, <laughs> Portland is cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot of versions of the test, but uh, our version of the test requires that there be two characters of a marginalized gender with names who speak to each other about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue or more. Mm-hmm. We prefer if it is an interaction of meaning, but I am I was requested to make an exception for this movie specifically. Okay. <laughs> Which we will get to. Um, but yeah, that's our, our whole d- deal. Do the three of you feel satisfied? <laughs> okay. Oh, a, oh. Me- a, a really meaningful nod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, King. Um, we do need the permission before we can move forward. Uh, <laughs> And uh, today we recovered. We've we've covered a lot of movies from the Pacific Northwest. I know it's like technically disrespectful to cover a Seattle movie here, so we do apologize. <laughs> Uh, but we are covering Say Anything for this show. Who here has seen Say Anything? Give it up. By round of applause. There, yeah. <laughs> hands. Hands, folks. Hands. All right. All right. Who so has not ever seen the movies? By round of applause. Guys, okay. it's not a second grade classroom. You, get, you can <laughs> clap. It's fun. <laughs> okay. So it seems like kind of halfway split. So we're going to have to do a really good job. We're telling them what the movie is, I guess. Well, well, let's. I, I think there's a halfway split on stage as well. Because had you seen this movie before? I had, yes. Okay, what was your history with it? I saw it in college, maybe even in high school, but I don't know, 20 years ago or so. And not since I didn't feel compelled to watch it again. Mm. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah. And how about you, Jamie? What's your history with it? Nothing, nothing. I had not seen... Yeah, this is like, you know... I love Joan Cusack, so I was really excited to see her in this movie. And then, unfortunately, I did not really see her mm. in this movie, yeah. which was a letdown. No, I didn't. I didn't grow up with this movie. I didn't have. Um, my dad had like a unique dislike of Peter Gabriel. Oh, and so this was just like never gonna make it into our rotation ever. Sure. Ever, ever. I don't know what it was though. Like I, I should have, I should have asked him before the show. But there were sometimes there were just like certain. Is he British? Ah, uh, does is anyone Peter know? Gabriel British? Is he? A My friend is nodding yes, and she's saying yes audibly. Okay. <laughs> there are just like certain British people my dad doesn't fuck with. Is that weird? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'd never seen it. Okay. Um, and now I have, and, 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 and I have some things to say. <laughs> I will so say, do I. I, I do not dislike this movie. It's, it's a weird movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I was most tickled, thrilled, and delighted to find that Frasier's dad plays a major role in it. Yes. I was shot. I heard his voice, and there was like a sense memory that shook through my body. <laughs> and he's in Seattle. I mean, hello. We gotta get Mahoney in Seattle. Do you think someone saw <gasps> Mahoney in Say Anything and was like, we gotta keep this guy in Seattle? Yes. He's so Seattle. <laughs> we gotta make him the dad of the fanciest two boys. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh I love as a Fraser head I really appreciated his presence. Okay, so say anything. It's a movie. It is uh, <laughs> it's uh, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Uh, it's produced by James Brooks and Polly Platt. Give it up for Polly Platt. Any you must remember mm-hmm. this heads in the house. Okay, not enough. Interesting. <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah it's it's from 1989 kind of a Gen X classic yeah stars John Cusack 
sort of Joan Cusack. Okay, Caitlin, mm. I have... Do you know how to say the lead actress's name in this movie? Oh, no. I, it was a real Ewan McGregor for me. Oh, yeah. I really didn't... I didn't want to be the first to say her name out loud because I will. It's just a lot of vowels. I, I meant to look it up. Um, it is spelled I-O-N-E. Is that... Ewan McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do e- it. Eon? Ion? Does anybody Eon? know? Ioni. Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll take your word for it this time. <laughs> Can you say Ewan McGregor? Just for me. Do you mean say? Ewan McGregor? <laughs> I just don't know that my mouth can make that shape. Can I watch your mouth? Can you do it again? <laughs> Let me help you break it down. Yeah. You win. You win McGregor. You win McGregor. <laughs> you win McGregor. Close. You win McGregor. You. 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 <laughs> win. Win. You win. You win. You win. <laughs> <laughs> we have to move on. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Shall I do the recap? Are we Let's ready give for the it recap? Up for Caitlin's famous recap. Okay. All right. And and, and while you do that, uh, just in, in the front, hands up for who wanted. I have uh, I have three plates, so it's gonna <laughs> be. Well, I guess it's just you two. <laughs> All right. There's, There's a, someone. Yeah. Oh, that's. F- oh, okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. Caitlin, sorry, don't worry about it. Don't worry about okay. it. I'm just servicing my community. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's the day of high school graduation for Lloyd, played by John Cusack. He is telling his two best friends, who are women. What? <laughs> um, their names are Corey and DC. He's telling them how he wants to take a girl named Diane Court out on a date. And Lloyd's friends are basically like, good luck with that. She's too smart for you. Because Diane Court, played by Ione Skye. Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is the valedictorian of her class. She gives a speech at graduation. Lloyd is like, a wooga. Well, I he literally is doing her. he's he's really doing the cartoon wolf thing <laughs> yeah. in uh, in in that where he's like talking over her speech, which we were talking about as we were watching it today. It's one of those incredible um, movie moments where she gives a speech that I think is like inarguably mid like, oh, it's like Gen X nonsense. It's like, aren't you scared about the future? <laughs> Me kind of scared about the future. And then all the kids are like, oh my oh. God, Kurt Cobain. Like, <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck is she talking about? They're, what is she saying? And then later at the party, everyone's like, really cool speech, Diane. And you're like, that speech was, that was like a, a second draft at best. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was a flop, I would say. I really wish that she gave one of those like really incredible high school valedictorian speeches that always like the cadence of them are, is so beautiful to me where it's like, hello, students. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Diane Court. Wow. What a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> are you reciting your own graduation speech, Jamie? <laughs> President Obama. 
<laughs> he didn't become the president this year, but he did while we were in high school. Uh -huh. I have so many good memories of this. <laughs> like, I, I love high school valedictorian speeches. I, and hers was tr garbage. Yeah. And then meanwhile, John Cusack is screaming over her, being like, look in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wow, I hope they end up together. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, Diane's dad, a.k.a. John Mahoney, a.k.a. Frazier's dad, he is so proud of Diane. He gives her two graduation presidents. One of them is a car, and the other one is an engagement ring. Her dad is trying to, like, Fraser's dad mm -hmm. is trying to marry his daughter the whole movie. It does really feel like that. It's very me. bizarre. The car, you're like, okay, this is, like, kind of a classic. I mean, it becomes plot relevant, but, like, it, it's sort of a classic, you know, like, upper middle class uh, moment mm -hmm. but then when he sort of proposes to her later <laughs> where he gives I'm like imagine your father giving you a diamond ring yeah I I know I, I could not imagine that when and then he's like your mom gave this to me as it so his, his wife gave him a diamond ring yeah but we're not told what the occasion was also it doesn't I also like I don't I mean whatever anyone can give anyone a diamond ring question? I don't know why I'm fighting for this right. <laughs> Give a ring to whoever you want, but there's no way he and his daughter are the same ring size. True. That, to me, was unbelievable. Yeah. And I was just really focused on, yeah, it seemed like he really wanted to... Um, to and any time they're on screen together, there's this, like, romantic music playing. Yes. You're uh, just like, why are the strings swelling when this uh, father is giving his teenage daughter a... A diamond ring. I don't, I don't know. But it does happen in the movie, so sure we'll does. talk about it. It sure does. Um, okay, so then Lloyd calls Diane. Her dad picks up, so Lloyd leaves a message. Diane then gets another call saying that she won a fellowship to study at a prestigious school in England. Ever heard of it? I love the vagueness of both the scholarship and the school. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what she's going to do or where she's going to do it. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, Diane calls Lloyd back, and he's like, go out with me. Go out with me. Come on. And she's like, I'm busy. And he's like, please, please, please. How about a graduation party that's tonight? And she's like, okay, you wore me down. I'll go. In the, I think that scene is interesting in, in a lot of ways because it's like she... She later uh, calls back to this scene being like, why did you go to the party with Lloyd? Because he made me laugh. I didn't see, I didn't see her laugh a damn time. Mm -hmm. Nope. On that call. And I just, I, you know, it's fine. It's like she wanted to go to a party. She wanted to get out of her, you know, out of her comfort zone. So, mm -hmm. okay. But, and it's very funny that she has to look up who he is. In the yearbook. In yeah. the yearbook. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty humiliating for him. But, um, <laughs> but he does not, he does not make her laugh. No. No. Not on screen. And I do feel like that is representation of women pretending that men are funny when they're not. <laughs> yeah. Very there true. is this incredible, like, I've done it. I've been guilty of this. Like, if you're, like, if you're a, a woman who dates men and, and, and bless your heart, um, <laughs> and you're, like, filming them, like, for an Instagram story or something, and they're doing something, and they... <laughs> I'm behind the iPhone 8 
doing this <laughs> menacing laugh, <laughs> right? I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> this breathy laugh, pretending that someone's funny. It's disturbing. She, yeah. that's, that's, I think that that was representation of that. Whether yes. Cameron Crowe realizes it or not, Cameron Crowe probably thinks he's hilarious. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure he does. But is he? Anyway. Uh. Okay, so he picks her up and they go to the party. And everyone there at the party loves Lloyd. And he is also made to be the key master. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Diane meets a bunch of people. Lloyd and Diane do not hang out at the party at all. Yeah, that is my worst nightmare, is going to a party thinking I have an ally and then being suddenly left out to dry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they seem fine with it, whatever. I don't know. Right. The party ends. Lloyd and Diane drive around all night. They're trying to give this kid a ride home who does not know where he lives. Mm -hmm. They finally drop him off, and then Diane is like, wow, going to that party was awesome. I finally feel like I fit in. And also, you're a great date, but also you're basic. And <laughs> I really liked that. That yes. was, she feels bad about it later, but I was like, that's kind of like the most metal thing Diane does in the entire movie. Yes. Besides bust her father for tax fraud. That's a spoiler. <laughs> there, but... <laughs> But like that, I really appreciated that because he was so into it. And then she was like, it, it, I don't know, maybe the parlance was slightly different then. But yeah. she was just like, mm, you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking suck. And he's Let's like, hang out again. fine by me. Yeah, he's dancing in the street. I think, you mm. know, if we, if we Buscemi test a lot of the behavior of the John Cusack character. Yeah. Um, again, the Buscemi test being if Steve Buscemi, age 45, was doing what the character in the movie is doing, is it weird or is it still romantic? Um, yeah. You Buscemi does that, it gets, it doesn't, it doesn't bear out in his favor. No, certainly not. Okay, so then Lloyd goes to drop her off and he's like, I want to see you as much as I can before you leave. And she's like, okay, call me. And then the next date is Lloyd going to Diane's for dinner with her dad mm -hmm. and some family friends. And they're like, Lloyd, what do you want to do with your future? And he's like, I want to be a kickboxer. <laughs> And that I, is that like <laughs> is that like 1989 dj or uh, or like tick i've been making these tiktok videos and they're really gonna the people are gonna watch them any day now <laughs> i think so yeah unclear yeah because they're all like um okay and then during dinner a couple irs agents show up accusing diane's dad of tax evasion so now Diane is very upset. I think Frazier's dad, uh, you know, kind of takes it in the stride. He was like, I'm, excuse me, I'm having a fucking party. I'm like, can you say that? <laughs> can you say that to the IRS? You're like, I'm busy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. So now the family is like going through this turmoil. Uh, Diane is upset, but she and Lloyd keep hanging out. Yeah. And uh, we see her at work where she works at a nursing home that her dad owns. Put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd comes through. He shows them Cocoon on VHS. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, I, I really... Um, He's like, I've never seen it, but you, you might like it. I don't know. Seems like the old folks love Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so one day Lloyd and Diane are getting coffee and she's like, I'm just like really overwhelmed and I don't think I can have a social life right now. And they agree to be friends, but then he's like friends with potential. And we're like, that's not what she said. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really not what she said. But then he says it and she repeats it back to him. Right. Because a man wrote this movie. <laughs> yes. And then there's a scene where he's teaching her how to drive her new car because women don't know how to drive. I don't know. And um, I mean, oh, because you don't know how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, don't awe me. I'm doing fine. I'm dressed like Barbie for no reason. Um, no, no, that's patronizing. There. Continue. <laughs> Why am I being so rude? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But they're in the car together and they're smooching. They're just going and then there's a montage of them kissing and then they have sex in the backseat of a car that is near a body of water and we're like, what is this? Jack and Rose in Titanic? She literally says, you're trembling. Yeah. Yeah. Or she doesn't say, I mean, she says you're shaking, shaking. because she's in, she lives in 1989, not 1912. Mm-hmm. They don't use trembling anymore. <laughs> um, but it, I was, yeah, I was, I was bowled over at how similar the scenes are. And I, we mutually agreed that even though this movie came out in 89 and Titanic came out in 97, Cameron Crowe is somehow ripping off Titanic. Yes in this scene absolutely yeah and also let's just put a pin in the similarities between titanic and say anything maybe that'll come back later i don't know Mm -hmm. okay so uh, there's a song that's playing in the car while they're having sex will you sing it in your eyes i'll do the drums Uh, no. Number one, I don't really know the words. And number two, I'm a bad singer. Okay. But it's In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. And she's like, listen to it. It's a really good song. And he's like, okay. I just busted. And that, and that is always the answer to like, why are you trembling? I'm like, well, <laughs> you were there. Like, not to blame women, but like... <laughs> I think you know why I'm <laughs> trembling. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> Diane comes home and she's like, by the way, dad, I just had sex. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> we need to talk. Okay, I I know that like I've seen this movie praised repeatedly for like, wow, a positive like father-daughter relationship for a good chunk of this movie. But it's just like, okay, I... Mm, Okay, Caitlin, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. When you lost your virginity, yeah, how long was it until your parents knew slash did they ever know? My mom never, never found out about the instance of me losing my virginity, but she did found out, find out when I was sexually active when I was in college mm-hmm. um, because she was like, you're getting a lot of UTIs. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great conversation starter. <laughs> Go, Lori. I hope she didn't. E- I hope she didn't even say hello. <laughs> and she was like, "I have a question to ask you. Are you sexually active?" And I was like, 
yeah. <laughs> did you do one of the, Did you yeah. shock her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, I am, bro. <laughs> And then she okay. high fived me and you chest bumped and then you kind of exactly <laughs> we took like 12 shots of <laughs> Jameson. Well, um, I, I told so I, I was trying to like figure out in my head how weird is what happens in this movie uh, because I told my mom before I lost my virginity <laughs> that sometime in the near future I would uh-huh. but I needed help buying a plane ticket <laughs> And yes. so she, I needed to use, I needed to use her credit card to buy a plane ticket so I could lose my virginity. Mm-hmm. And so she like, it was like a whole, it was like, you know, an FBI operation for me to ultimately get a UTI, as yeah. you were saying, um, and find out I was allergic to latex, but <laughs> it's, I, I lived, um, but, but what happens here, I feel like whether it's like before, after, whatever, in this scene, Diane is coming home to her father, who is Fraser's father. Yes. Making her Fraser's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Before she is like taking a shower after losing her virginity. Yeah. She's like, Dad, I have to tell you something. I fucked John Cusack. <laughs> and then he, like, to his credit, is like, oh. Because how do you react to that? He doesn't slut shame her. He doesn't right. say anything. Uh, r- he's just. <laughs> but he also seems to find it weird he that she has chosen say this anything? moment. Doesn't say anything. I guess he doesn't, does he? <laughs> he does not say anything. He instead <laughs> stares at her, at w- and saying with his eyes anything which is why are you telling me this before you've taken a shower i like i just feel like you know be as open with your parents as you're comfortable with but if you've just if you've just fucked at any time yeah shower before talking to your dad and maybe that's old-fashioned of me <laughs> no maybe you want to walk in the house stinking of cum but i just <laughs> I was just, I was beside myself. And then, th- and then that scene resolves by her being like, I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she's like, I can say anything to you, dad. It is, I mean, operates on my theory that the central weird romance in this movie is in fact between Frazier's dad and Diane. A dad and his daughter. His daughter. His daughter. <laughs> there, I just rewatched Mystic River, and so I was like mainlining my daughter for like seven hours or however long that movie is. Just <laughs> Sean Penn wailing my daughter. Why, You're just why did you watch that? <laughs> I was homesick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Popped it on. Fair. But know. no, the point is, yes, if you've just been dicked down in the backseat of a car, <laughs> if you want to tell your dad about it, fine, I guess. But take a shower. You got to hit the showers. <laughs> um, and your dad shouldn't be like, I don't know. Again, I'm, but like, I would be, if I, if I was sharing that information with my, with my one father, mm. I would not want him to be like thrilled. I don't know. <laughs> it... That let's scene really is going to stick in my craw for a long well, time to come. Let's talk about it further in a bit. Right. In the meantime, 
Diane has told her dad that she has had sex. Meanwhile, he's sniffing in the air. He's like, <laughs> oh, gross. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Lloyd's friends find out that he had sex, and his friend Corey is like, you have to do something really romantic for Diane now. So he writes her a letter pouring his heart out to her. Again, an incredible moment because Corey reads the letter. It's two sentences long. (laughs) (laughs) I love Corey. I think is like my favorite character in the movie. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about her. I really adore her. Uh, But her function in most scenes is to tell Lloyd he is awesome. Tell him he's the most amazing person to ever be born. And she reads this bogus letter he's written where it's like, Hi, Diane. Uh, You are pretty. I love you. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, Lloyd. She's like, Oh my I've God. Gone the letter like this she's from anyone. She's like, okay, Shakespeare. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's just like, her function is to gaslight up um, yeah. when he's being, you know, kind of just like a guy. Exactly. Um, okay. So he sends off this letter, but it's not long before Diane leaves for England to go to a school. That yes, we don't lead know to city one. England to go to school <laughs> subject. Um, and so she's confused about what to do because she loves Lloyd, but she decides to break up with him and she gives him a pen as a parting gift. She's stone up- cold, <laughs> <laughs> which is also her dad's idea. Yes. The breakup also her dad's idea. <laughs> um, here's a little fun little story that relates back to the person I lost my virginity with in high school, (gasps) um, which is like government name. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I broke up with him um, at some point and (laughs) you got snaps for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brave of me. Uh And he was really heartbroken about it. And I was so cold because he sent me this like essay that he had to write for English class and it was about how he was so in love with me and he Caitlin. <laughs> he cheated on me back when I believed that monogamy was a thing oh anyway wait now give me his government name okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so he sent me this letter and I proofread it made a bunch of like red pen marks and then sent it back <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Did you return it to him? Yeah. Yeah. I said, here were all of your errors in grammar and spelling. (laughs) That's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my (laughs) life. That's really exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Damn. Yes. Uh, I got broke. I got the guy I lost my virginity to broke up with me because I was taking up the time he needed to practice the saxophone. (laughs) So I guess, you know, it takes all kinds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Diane has broken up with Lloyd. She is upset about it. He's devastated. He's driving around in the rain. He's trying to make sense of things. He's kind of recording a podcast at one point. He is. And then he's like, well, let's see what some men have to say about this. But they give him bad advice on how yeah. to deal with Including it. Including so. a jump scared Jeremy Piven. Oh. Jeremy Piven in like a fedora yeah. being like, women are bitches. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. 
Okay. <laughs> Very scary. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, he's driving around and having feelings. Mm-hmm. He tries to call Diane several times. He's leaving messages. And then we get the iconic scene where he goes to her house. He stands outside the window with the stereo over his head playing In Your Eyes, which is the song they played when they were having sex with each other. And it is AFI's 100 most romantic moments. Mm. Um, and then you watch the scene and you're like, she doesn't even get out of she, bed. She just stays in bed. He just stands there for a while. Cut to inspiring a <laughs> militia of creepy teenage boys <laughs> to be like, oh, just to show up. Show yes. up. She'll Stand love that. There, play loud music that's yeah. waking up the neighbors. Um, okay. Okay. So the <laughs> NIMBY vibes. <laughs> uh, then we cut to Diane going to see this IRS guy who tells her that they have proof that her dad has been stealing money for years from people at the nursing home that he runs. Mm-hmm. So Diane goes home. She snoops around her dad's stuff and finds a huge stash of cash. <sighs> he thought he was going to fool the valedictorian. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mistake number one. Mm-hmm. She also at no point takes off her diamond ring. Even well, though it's clear that her diamond ring was purchased with dead people's money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she confronts her dad being like, you're a liar and a thief. And he's like, what's the big deal? I did this for you. It's like Fraser gets a lot of residuals. <laughs> we'll make up for <laughs> it. It's fine. <laughs> So she storms out and then she goes to the gym where Lloyd is trying to have a kickboxing career. (laughs) And she's like, I want you. I need you. I love you. And he's like, okay, cool. I really like that scene. It it felt like very kind of close to authentic of like how um, weird teenage doomed relationships work where he's like, are you saying this because you want me or because you want someone? And then he like thinks about it for a second and is like, I don't want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have sex again? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you know, that is the appropriate response. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yes. So then uh, Frazier's daddy gets sent to jail Lloyd pays him a visit to be like, by the way, I'm going to England with your daughter. And the thing that I want to do for a living is be her boyfriend. Okay. Just so you know. Let him cook because that's like, that's (laughs) the idea of someone whose job it is to be my boyfriend Mm -hmm. is incredible. And there are no benefits to it. (laughs) No. You do not get dental. No, there's no dental for boyfriend, but <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Good for yeah. him. <laughs> right. Um, and then Diane shows up to the prison yard and she gives her dad the pen that he had, uh, that she had originally given to Lloyd. Yeah. Because like Lloyd, she's in love with her dad. <laughs> This scene also plays out very romantically. Like and a breakup l- scene. Yeah, and Lloyd is like on the sidelines being like, nice, she broke up with her dad. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now we can I finally be, be together. <laughs> <laughs> and then she and Lloyd go to England. There's a scene where they're in the plane. She's a nervous flyer, but he's like, don't worry, babe. I'll keep you safe. Ding. The end. The end. And not yeah. say anything. You can Wee. clap. <laughs> Thank you. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shall we discuss? Let's discuss. Shall, let's, let's discuss. <laughs> Should we start with... I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. Diane and Lloyd and their relationship. Yes. Okay. So I okay with Diane. I I it is interesting watching this movie because I feel like the way that it's written because I hadn't seen it and based on all of the marketing based on like the most famous image from the movie and all this stuff you're led to believe that like Lloyd is the you know undisputed protagonist of this movie but like I feel like it is pretty clearly Diane and the way of like who has the arc who are we spending the most time with whose feelings change the most over the course of the movie like Mm -hmm. Lloyd is pretty like consistent throughout the movie like I don't think that he I mean I think he does grow and change a little bit but like Diane's the one who's really like going through it the entire movie and she's not like I think the the you know the most famous images from these movies like you you she's not in it um Mm -hmm. and it feels like a a weird example of um how it's it's not necessarily a fault of the movie itself that diane is kind of um sidelined in the way this movie is remembered but the way that the marketing is and the way that it's publicly remembered 
um, doesn't mm-hmm. include kind of the most impactful character. Right. Yeah. It it treats Lloyd as if he's the protagonist, and I th- I wonder if that has anything to do with like John Cusack going on to have a more substantial career the way the way that like many yeah. male actors are like you get to have a career because men are actually written parts in movies and women aren't so much. Right. So it's harder for them to become like notable actors. But like it, it it's frustrating because Diane does have like an interest. I think she's an interesting character and mm-hmm. I think it is just more what is focused on that feels weird because there's a lot of interesting stuff with Diane. I feel like she, and I guess I don't n- I don't fully think I know how aware the writing of the movie is of this, but it feels like Diane is this like character. She's like a like brilliant young woman who, and the two main men in her life are trying to like live their lives through her by Mm -hmm. their own rules. And that is like the main thing that she's struggling with throughout the movie is like, she's with her dad. She wants to, you know, she loves him. She wants to make him happy. She wants to meet his expectations, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite match. And then with Lloyd, she's repeatedly trying to set boundaries with him. Uh, And, you know, to be fair, it does seem like she wants to be around him and is doing what she thinks she needs to do. But it's like, she's just struggling with the expectations of men she cares about for the entire movie, which is an interesting premise, but it like, I, it, it just kind of, bears out in this weird way yeah in a way that i don't find very satisfying yeah i as far as like teen romance movies go because the bar is so low and some of them are very predicated on a, an extremely scary and predatory you know lie right. or bet or some kind of just like stalker situation this one feels on the less problematic side yeah. and that's saying something because it's still like he's not respecting her boundaries a lot of the time and he keeps kind of like being like well yeah you just said that you don't want a social life and that you just want to be friends but what if we kiss a bunch and then (laughs) have sex in the back of a car right i agree that it was like lloyd is not the most respectful boundaries character ever but it also felt like he is like it at least felt reflective of reality enough. And like, I remember having teenage interactions like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Diane, I I don't know. It just feels like Diane kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes in a way that's frustrating. And then for me, like for, for teen romance, it's really frustrating that Lloyd is not a 100 year old vampire. (laughs) And so it's already kind of like, so why would I watch this? (laughs) I don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did that occur to you at any point? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't really a member of the Cullen family, I would say. Yeah. And so it was kind of challenging to get invested in that romance. So why even set the movie in Washington State? Eggs fucking exactly. <laughs> don't waste my time. <laughs> if it's in Washington State, I'm assuming there is a level of immortality. There's... Uh, there's to simply one must. of the characters <laughs> and I was really disappointed that it did seem like they were you know both m- mortal mortal um yeah and so that was that was a bummer but uh, <laughs> but yeah uh-huh. I mean it's it's uh, I think Diane is like a really um interesting character but the yeah the way she's treated by the story is kind of I don't know like it, it's disappointing she doesn't have any friends 
to Mm -hmm. bounce stuff off of. Not that that doesn't happen in high school, but I think like for the sake of the movie, it would have been, I think, helpful for the audience and good for just developing the character to have her have someone outside of these two men in her life to get an idea of who she is. It feels like... um, princess like i feel like we talk about princess leia in the term in terms of that where it's like here's this really interesting lead character who is a woman but we're only going to give her men to talk to we're not going to give her an interior life outside of her relationship to these men Mm -hmm. uh for for reasons unclear right and then the movie does kind of address the fact that she does she like hasn't made any friends in high school and it's because she sort of like secluded herself or she didn't put herself out there and this party was like her first chance to meet people and now she finally feels like she like some people know her but then Mm -hmm. after she comes to that realization or she has kind of like taken herself out of her comfort zone she proceeds to then get to know exactly one person and it's a guy who's just extremely persistent at her right well that was i i felt like there was promise and we have exactly because i i think that in lloyd's i mean we in spite of the fact that i feel like lloyd has less of an arc we we know more people in his life and in his circle we know his sister who is his actual sister uh <laughs> constance i think her name is played by joan cusack mm-hmm. uh we know his best friend Corey. we know his other friend dc we we know um a number of people in his life and he mostly has close relationships um friendship family wise with women but yeah, in ter- and we get one scene between Lloyd's best friend Corey and Diane that mm-hmm. I felt like was really cool and promising of like, oh, maybe they will become friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a way to bring her closer to Lloyd if, you know, they become friends. But the only thing that happens in that scene is like, is Corey does the function of her character, which is to be like, wow, wouldn't you say that Lloyd is like the most epic, awesome guy in the world? <laughs> And Diane's like, hmm, you're right about that. And then like that's that's the the only scene we get them together, which sucks because it's like it's seeing like two interesting women just pass like ships in the night, yeah, you know, on to more boring plot points. And you're like, no, <laughs> stay. Mm-hmm. Talk about your feelings on uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> give me something. Uh, but they they give they me nothing. They don't. Yeah, yeah. it's disappointing. Yes. Um, so I guess where I land on it is the romance. We've seen worse examples in teen rom-coms, but it, like you said, it's just her. It is Diane's story. She feels like the protagonist to me, but it's all about these men who are just kind of like inserting themselves in her life or just like inserting their expectations in her life. And she doesn't really challenge them very much. And she was just like, yep. I'll allow it. Well, it's not even. I would. I would say that she does challenge it at different points, but she is like doesn't successfully push out of it, right? In a way that does the the script doesn't feel fully aware of. Like it's it's we're made to believe that like this ending for Diane is kind of the best case scenario, mm-hmm. when there I feel like are a lot of opportunities for her to push back more, make connections with other people, and and I don't know. I just feel like there were more interesting things and then also watching the relationship i also think the most interesting relationship in the movie also does not involve lloyd i think the most interesting Mm. relationship is i know we've like talked a lot of shit about it because 
he is trying to marry her, but like <laughs> Diane and her father's dynamic is really interesting. And I feel like it there is. is like a really, I, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of, I mean, except the entire series of succession. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of like, I mean, there's not a lot of stories about like a uh, daughter getting to know like who idolizes a parent having that illusion completely shattered and mm -hmm. having to deal with that like that's a really interesting thing to explore especially because like diane has really dictated the way that she has lived and we know this about her because she says it um to lloyd at 7-eleven which mm, <laughs> incredible detail i'm like did they get stuff off the rollers like when <laughs> Did they get a white claw? Did white claw exist? There are all these things, <laughs> right? Yeah. I had a lot of questions. They left 7-Eleven, but they weren't holding a delicious snack. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, I went to 7-Eleven the other night and... <laughs> Brag. Thank you. <laughs> I was on a date. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need to make a stop okay. to get uh, candy corn and a buffalo roller. Ooh. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that came up involuntarily. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to know what their order was there. Um, <laughs> and that is my biggest problem with the movie. Yeah. But the, the, the focus is more on, well, what the thing you're about to say, but then also the parking lot moment where he's oh just like, God. watch out, there's glass. And then he just kind of like kicks it out of the way. <laughs> she walks around it. And then later in the movie, she's like, the reason I know that he's such a good guy <laughs> is that he didn't let me step in glass. That, that was so, okay. Uh, those scenes are so fun to watch because they are like nonsensical. And you can just imagine like Cameron Crowe at his like computer being like, yes, this is so good. Like, this is what women <laughs> require. Um, he really thought he was he was he was doing something there. Um, <laughs> I just and, and it's like I mean truly the ult a, a great cinematic example of accepting crumbs is like wow that guy didn't want me to step on glass I could see <laughs> like <laughs> I better let him follow me around <laughs> like just a real a real bummer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the, the more interesting relationship, uh, if, if, if this movie absolutely has to choose a relationship between Diane and a man in her life, is the relationship with her dad. Because in that mm -hmm. same scene, she explains to Lloyd that like, it seems like part of the reason she feels so connected to her dad is because she was put in this through this horrible custody battle where she had to choose which parent to live with. Mm -hmm. She chose to live with her dad. She says, because it was easier, we're not given any information, but I, I don't know. Maybe she wanted to be able to see Frasier. <laughs> She's like, I, she I felt more safe. She, she was like, it felt like the safe choice. We don't know exactly what she means by that, mm -hmm. but that's, that's the only information we have. But it's like, I, she's very like at a base level, very invested in making her relationship with her dad work, which mm -hmm. he seems to, you know, <laughs> want, he wants to marry her. <laughs> um, but like examining that felt more interesting to me than this teenage romance. It just, but I don't know. It, and then you get a scene, one scene with Diane and her mother. And that seems very I, what did you make of that scene? Because to me, that was another scene of like Cameron Crowe sitting in a room, probably with his spouse, 
not asking her what women might talk about. <laughs> this is one of the scenes I listed under the does the movie pass the Bechdel test not column? Not, yeah. Because there are a handful of interactions with women in the movie and one of them is this scene where Diane is talking to her mom. Uh, here's how it goes. They are talking about her dad being a criminal Mm-hmm. And then the mom is like, oh, no, I'd rather talk about you. I don't even know if you've got a young man in your life. And Diane. And Cameron Crowe's like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Diane says, what's more important than what's going on with dad? And then her mom replies, if we could just talk about boys, everything would be so much easier. And you're like, well, that's, like, that's a back to back. The scene is not going anywhere. And then. The mom's new husband, I forget his name, he shows up. Owen. So then Owen. Owen. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he he's like about to show up, so they start talking about him, and then he shows up and cut to the next scene. So I didn't like it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no. And it's that's especially frustrating because that um, relationship like never comes back which is bizarre because the reason that that scene happens is because diane is going to her mom to say hey dad is getting investigated by the irs Mm -hmm. if the irs comes to your door please say something nice about him (laughs) like and she's and diane like i and i really like i feel for her in that because she's very invested in like protecting her father she very much believes he is innocent Mm -hmm. um and so she's like and that's part of why she like originally breaks off the relationship with Lloyd is because she's like, I'm kind of like really focused on my dad not going to white collar jail right now. Yeah. And and so it's like she's really spending a lot of time trying to protect him. Um, and we know that like, I mean, I don't know how much the mom would know about what's going on, but it seems like it would be relevant to Diane's mother th- that Frazier's dad goes to jail yeah, but it, she never comes back, and we never get any closure on like where that relationship was left, or like mm-hmm. any, which is frustrating. If if we are viewing Diane as like the protagonist of the movie, but it just like leaves all of these loose threads in favor of you know watching Lloyd, I don't know, turn in a circle. What does he even do? He's there. so he's <laughs> kicking he and he's punching. He's kicking, doing he's, he's doing his kicks. Well, let's, um, t- let's talk about Lloyd. Sorry. Well, first, I spent the past, like, two minutes trying to... Re- is it... Okay. Which Durst is it? Is it... Robert. Robert. <laughs> Not Fred. <laughs> okay, that's what... Okay. So, Rob- I was like... I'm always happy to answer that question. <laughs> so, basically, when uh, when Diane is like, my dad innocent, it's like how you respond to Robert, Robert Durst. Durst. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to make that joke. It has come and gone. It's... Anyway... Uh, there's no point in arguing Robert Durst is innocent anymore because not only is he dead, he was guilty. So <laughs> just kind of a challenging time for me. Yeah, sorry. Um, but no, <laughs> I found that the relationship with her dad and just the, the dad character in general, his name is James, right? J- Jim, James Court. James I love that their Cameron. last name is Court and then he goes to jail. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's iconic writing. <laughs> That's some Larry Gigli level naming of a character. I liked it. Yeah. I found him to be maybe one of the most nuanced characters in the movie because I guess he just defies a lot of 
just stereotypes when it comes to like dad characters of a teen girl Mm -hmm. of that era we already talked about the scene where she comes home after having sex for the first time with lloyd he is like where were you you didn't call but he's like because he's he's in love with her (laughs) (laughs) he's like i want to make sure you're safe and then he go he like goes on to just explain you know I care about your safety. Uh, it doesn't matter what you were doing. And then she says like, I was having sex dad. And he's like, I, okay. I, I would just be like, all right, can we talk about this? Like after you've like sleep, <laughs> but they have to talk about it now. Cause it's a movie. And, and she's like, I'm just so eager to say anything to you. And he goes, and- yay. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, a typical dad character in a movie like this would have a very like slut shamey response mm-hmm. and try to like exert all of this either either a slut shamey response or like where is he i'm gonna kill him that's right. my daughter you know <laughs> exactly i just watched mystic river that's what he does <laughs> so he doesn't do that he's just mostly concerned about her safety because she doesn't she didn't call like she always calls right and then there's a later scene that also his behavior surprised me where she is saying that she's not sure if she should take this fellowship in England after all. And I will say, mm-hmm. I guess going back to the relationship between her and Lloyd, I mm-hmm. was, cause I didn't really remember how this movie pans out. And I was worried as I was watching it this time that she would be like, never mind. I don't need to go to England. Right. I've got my professional boyfriend who professionally wants to be my boyfriend. <laughs> And I will, and as that is not a paying position, I will (laughs) suppose I will have to support him in his endeavor to be around. (laughs) So I was really worried that like she was not gonna take the opportunity and like pursue her education. She does do it. He tags along, which you know you can feel about any which way. But I I was happy that at least she like went through with her plans. Yeah. Um. In any case, so. She's like, I don't know if I should go to school, college, school, school, university (laughs) to study question mark. Oh, my God. Which, again, is like that's a really easy detail to give. And we were not given it. And I feel like that if it was Lloyd, we would know what he was studying and what he was interested in. Because we know that he wants to be a kickboxer, even though that has no relevance (laughs) to fucking anything. Mm -hmm. Diane's like, you know, ambitions have a lot to do with the movie and we don't know what they actually are. Right. Um, Yeah. I wonder if like Oxford university read, it was like originally that in the script. And then they're like, don't besmirch our good name name. out of your fucking mouth crow (laughs) that would be really funny that would be such a weird uh weird antagonistic thing to do (laughs) in any case okay i didn't like fast times at ridgemont high (laughs) so she's saying she's not sure if she should go to england and she does kind of it seems like she's implying Oh, maybe also one of the reasons I don't want to go, not only are you under criminal investigation, dad, but also I love this guy. And then when he finds that out, when when her dad realizes that she loves him, he kind of pivots because prior to that, he was like, oh, he's not good enough for you. He's always just kicking and punching and you're too smart for him. Mm -hmm. And then which is true, to be fair, (laughs) true. But then he, like, when she says, I love him, he 
respects the gravity of the situation he respects her feelings Mm -hmm. he doesn't like try to question her feelings he is like oh wow maybe i'm being like really selfish here why am i fixated on this like i owe you an apology he says yeah but the, then the, the one sentence we never hear <laughs> it's, right. yeah, it's amazing yeah but and then a few minutes later he turns out to be embezzling money from a very vulnerable group of people so uh so I don't know. <laughs> it's complicated you know some of history's greatest monsters were pretty decent parents and <laughs> And Frazier's dad, well, Frazier's dad was a great dad, but he was a retired Seattle cop. So, you know, there are, this is a sort of a through line. Thank you, Frazier heads, for, I was proud of making that connection as well. Um, Yeah, I I, I felt like it it was a unique uh, father-daughter relationship. But again, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like coding it as romantic was so avoidable and i'm like not even (laughs) joking because like down to post-production whoever i don't know off the top of my head who composed the music uh but what the fuck were they thinking like when they were like all right all right father daughter father daughter all right we're gonna need something a little sexy (laughs) (laughs) why like some some sort of like longing (laughs) romantic music the blocking is often weird. Just the writing choice to make her dad. I'm well, sorry if any of your dads have given you a diamond ring. <laughs> no, if like your dad has given ring. you a diamond ring, like <laughs> you have to consider he could have been embezzling money from old people. <laughs> I think, I hope this is a wake up call for <laughs> anyone in this room who has received a diamond ring from their father. Um, it's weird. It's weird. Weird choices were made all around. Let's talk about Lloyd really quick. Okay. Uh, I Lloyd is an interesting character to me because I do think that like, I don't know, like Lloyd and this movie have been through so many um, rounds of critical appraisal um, where I think this movie was pretty beloved when it came out. Um, I think Lloyd does sort of defy a number of common rom-com stereotypes with a male lead where like you're saying there's no bet there's no central lie mm-hmm. uh but he still is pushy yeah. and uh still you know pushes past a lot of diane's boundaries and is rewarded for that behavior and then on the other hand you have um wh- what i like about lloyd is that fact that something we i think very rarely see in uh in teen movies which is that he has a close friend who is a woman who he is not like there's no subtext of like yeah she's in love with me or i am in love with her like Mm -hmm. Corey is his closest friend and she's uh, an interesting character in her own right but like there is no like it, it presents the simple truth that uh men and women can be friends yeah in a way that is like not you know like longing coded or Mm -hmm. that there's not this like deep heterosexual you know physical pain that comes (laughs) with them being around each other and then on top of that that like when that friendship is presented to diane she's like oh that's 
it's nice to meet your friend versus like meeting that with extreme jealousy or just like Mm -hmm. all these tropes we very ordinarily see where um, it just seems like Lloyd is a male character who connects with women easier, um, Mm -hmm. which is nice. And that is like not presented as a bad thing. And I also like how uh, Lloyd is from like Lloyd's parents aren't really around. They're in the military in Germany. And you're like, well, I don't like the sound of that. Uh, uh, right after the fall of the Berlin Wall and and their politics are not made clear uh, but (laughs) they're in the military in Germany in the 80s and uh, so they're you know out there and so like Floyd and his sister they're they're you know, I mean, Floyd's sister is a single mom. Uh, there is mm-hmm. no judgment passed on that. Mm-hmm. Even it, the, I think my main issue is that they don't let her be a character at all. Right. She's just like vaguely like shrill coded to do <laughs> Lloyd in the first. She's like, why can't you be an uncle and not a playmate? And he's oh, like, yeah. you used to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but it was like he he has like a I think like kind of like a latchkey kid kind of upbringing where his parents mm-hmm. weren't really around and I feel like those characters are very often um, portrayed to be maladjusted mm-hmm. and um, not people to be around and I like that Lloyd sort of presents that upbringing in a way that it's like he's generally a thoughtful person mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know like class wise and just upbringing wise it's like not something i was used to seeing sure so i don't know lloyd lloyd was hit and miss for me but i i do uh, i i was rooting for him especially when he something is so vulnerable about whipping a vhs copy of cocoon <laughs> where i was like oh yeah. he's really going for it yeah <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing but he wants to do something and this is after and we have to wrap up very soon but this is after Diane has challenged him for his ageist beliefs. Yes. And she's like literally calls him out with that exact language. She's like, you're being ageist. And he sits his ass down. And then, and then he's like, right. He's like, wow, you're really making me reconsider. And maybe I shouldn't be ageist. And it's not clear if he actually is like changing his mind about this or if he just wants to bust. (laughs) Right. It's October. And busted <laughs> makes you feel good. Uh, Precisely. But <laughs> but I mean, unfortunately, with, with due respect to men in the room, I feel like, you know, it is a fake it till you make it situation where it's like, I will make you repeat my politics back to me until you somehow believe it. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know, it's that's how uh, I wear people down. Yeah, um, Same. It's by talking about housing justice <laughs> <laughs> until they believe in it, um, and that's how I've weaponized my vagina for good. Uh, the other Congrats. thing I like about Lloyd, and I yes. know we have to move on, is um, there is a critical scene where Lloyd is. So he, like you mentioned, he is recording a podcast. <laughs> He's driving around in his car, recording his thoughts on a cassette player for Corey, for, for his Corey. friend. He's recording a, a podcast for an audience of one. <laughs> it is like kind of true crimey that where he's like, I'm in the streets. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, I know people who sound like oh, not. No, I've listened to podcasts like that, that p- the people are millionaires for saying equally fucking nothing, you know, <laughs> Um I'm in the streets. It's dark out. <laughs> You're like, he says something like, 
the rain on my car is a baptism. Yeah. And we're like, well, brilliant metaphor, sir. When you think about it, I am, I too am Christ-like. <laughs> <laughs> Go off king. Um, but when he's doing that, yeah, like he, you, you alluded to this in the recap, but he says like, maybe I should talk to more men. Everyone in my life is a woman. And you're like, well, that's going to be a non-starter, but let's mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. And, and he, but the movie bears that out where it's yes. like he goes to this group of like guys is like high school Jeremy guys. Jeremy Piven is there. Jeremy Piven is there. <laughs> As with any group of guys, Jeremy Piven is there. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to go meet up with some guys, <laughs> he'll be there and he'll be wearing a little hat. Um, but the, 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 uh, list, I know we were both ready to get down as we were watching <laughs> it together. Cause, uh, you know, he goes to this group of men. They're hanging out at a gas station, uh, talking shit about women, which is beautiful, beautiful, right? Uh, <laughs> one says, you can't trust them. They spend your money and they tell your friends everything. And I'm like, <laughs> and is that a bad thing? Uh, <laughs> all you got to do is find a girl that looks just like her, nail her, and then dump her. Uh, you know what's the mistake? You should have dumped her first. That's Jeremy Piven. Mm. Uh, Diane Court is a show pony. You need a stallion man. Literally, Jeremy Piven objectifying women. We hate to see it. Um, But Lloyd does not respond to this by being radicalized by these, like, gas station losers (laughs) ideas. He instead challenges it. He's like, oh, that's interesting that you have all these thoughts about women when women aren't hanging out with you and you are at a gas station at night. (laughs) And that's awesome. I yeah, mean, like that yeah, yeah. exchange is really cool. And then, and then he respond. And then, like after realizing that talking to uh, men his age is a non-starter, and that they hate women and don't understand why, he goes back to his friends who are women and mm-hmm. ask them for advice. And like, I, 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 I liked that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, he does blame Corey for. Diane breaking up with him basically yes. she's just like I hang out with too many women and it's your fault Corey this and then- is your podcast for you <laughs> where I'm yelling at you right. uh, but I do like that the movie recognizes that all the advice that the men give him is terrible advice and that yes. he uh, that Lloyd openly challenges them absolutely and then, because uh, we, we do have to wrap up, uh, Corey, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about her. We'll do a, we'll record more about her at a later time. But Corey is the fucking coolest character in the movie. Do we have any Corey heads in the house? Okay. She's the best. I also feel like she's a very, like, uniquely 1989 character mm. where she is Lloyd's best friend. Um, she, I, I feel like I was like, oh, the character closest to me in high school is Corey, where she has had her heart broken by the same loser repeatedly and is writing horrible poetry about it. <laughs> and, like, that is a very recognizable thing. I think that, like, we'll, we'll sort of talk about later on about, like, the way it's presented. But I, I just, I, I really liked her. And I felt like we were given some crumbs on how she, like, on her her personal stuff towards mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie where it's like there is this one guy who later appears at a gas station being a misogynist so huge loss for her mm-hmm. <laughs> um but like this this fucking loser who she's written 65 songs about and who, who among us <laughs> you know um that like she eventually kind of cuts loose because she realizes that like he's a loser and a yeah. liar and 
like I thought that was a really interesting start to her character, but then the remainder of the movie, she mainly shows up to tell Lloyd various plot points. Mm-hmm. And to tell him he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the most we get from her after like the 30 minute mark. Yeah, it's true. Very frustrating. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is just uh, the production of this movie. It is like an interesting movie production wise, but I wanted to just quickly shout out one of the main producers of this movie, Polly Platt. We've got a picture of her here. Let's get it. This is... Um, uh, she's really cool. I would, if you haven't listened to the season of You Must Remember This about Polly Platt, I would highly, highly recommend it. It's so cool. Give it up for her. She is. She had a fucking incredible life. Like she, I mean, she was done a huge disservice by show business. Um, but this movie came out during this sort of second surge in her career where she was working with James L. Brooks. Um, she worked on uh, this movie. She basically discovered Cameron Crowe and Wes Anderson, so you're welcome if those are guys you like. Uh, <laughs> she also, iconically for everyone, discovered The Simpsons and handed it off to James L. Brooks. So we wouldn't have The Simpsons without Polly Platt. She's fucking cool. And she also appears in a cameo in this movie movie which is the next slide um you can see that she is in the graduation scene uh so there she is so yay polly um and we'll link to um karina longworth's uh season about her when we release this episode but caitlin yes does this movie pass the bechtel test uh i think maybe on a small technicality but i would say spiritually no spiritually no but it does pass between DC and um, it's not a very impactful exchange, but right. between DC and Corey, there is an exchange in the record store where the large context of the conversation is that Diane and Lloyd had sex, yes, which is you know not passing the Bechdel test whatsoever. P and V, it doesn't pass. <laughs> um, but um, Corey's talking over DC, and DC is like, "You never let me talk about anything. You never let me speak." And mm-hmm. Corey's like, oh, I'm sorry. What do you want to say? And DC's like, well, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> and that was impactful to me. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that I, passes to me. I can relate. To, I've had many interactions like that. Demanding, yeah, demanding a platform and then being like, oh, I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> but so, generally, like the few times that women do interact in this movie, they are usually talking about Lloyd. They are talking about... Frazier's dad they're talking about some other guy mm-hmm. it's particularly this is disgusting Joe <laughs> this is it's particularly frustrating in the conversation between Diane and her mom where there is p- mm-hmm. potential to talk about most anything and they aggressively only talk about men right so or the scene the one interaction between Corey and Diane where they talk about Corey's ex-boyfriend Joe for a while and then Lloyd yeah but what about the most important metric to ever exist, which is uh, the Bechtel cast nipple scale? Yes. A zero to five nipples based yeah, exactly. on examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. I think I'll give this movie, I would say two nipples. I th- <gasps> Someone gasped. Is that what happens when you guys listen to this? <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, they're so wrong for that. <laughs> How could they? Were you expecting me to say higher or lower? I I made a mistake, and this happens at... Oh, my God! <laughs> no, this happens every single time. 
this is why like live shows are nuclear for us because I, if I look at you the wrong way, you're like, no, oh my God. <laughs> no. Well, here's my reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sounds familiar. <laughs> And I'm judging this on 1989 standards, and it's, like, slightly less problematic than teen rom-coms that came out 10 years later. Yeah, for sure. There's that. Um, The father-daughter relationship, while it is rife with a weird, possibly romantic tension, um, I do... I, I know two is wrong. I'll go down to one and a half. Stop contributing. We'll never leave if you can. Yeah, we got. We got. Like, we're wait, we're no, running. it should be one point like six four. Okay. <laughs> we just because we have to wrap up. I will simply say one and a half nipples, and I give one to <laughs> what's her name Antigone. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my! Oh wait, I get it. I get it. I, I, Ioni? <laughs> Antigone? <laughs> okay. Like Mrs. Mrs. Lynn McGregor. <laughs> we, we gotta go. We gotta go. <clears throat> so, Ioni Sky. And then my half nipple goes to Lily Taylor, who plays Corey. Antigone. <laughs> um, I can't, I'm going to give this, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it like, I don't know, one and a half, maybe even a little lower, 1.25, something like that. I think that, yeah, like there are things that this movie is, I'm gonna, I need to stop looking scared. Uh, I, there, are the, there are ways that this movie is um, avoiding a lot of tropes that we see in the same era and for decades after, but it is still doing, you know, the pushy thing. It's still doing that, giving us an interesting central woman who is not allowed to know other women or care about other women. And I, th- I truly, I do think that like the uh, writing of the father daughter relationship being so bizarrely romantic is just a demonstration that the writer does not know how to write a healthy relationship between men and women. And uh, I find that weird. Um, it's also, I mean, I, I mean, it's 1989. So I, but it's like, it's a, it's not an inclusive movie whatsoever. It's mm. very much like a movie in the white middle class in Seattle. There's no, you know, attempt at inclusion in any way, shape or form. It's mm-hmm. just, um, you know, it's, it's a really white hetero movie. Uh, and, uh, I'm gonna give it. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll give it 1.25, mm. and I'm giving them uh, giving it all to Antigone. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that's our show. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Okay, that was the show. Thank you again to Curious Comedy Theater, to Stacy who runs the venue, to all the staff there. And to the All Jane Comedy Festival, which this was the final All Jane Comedy Festival. However, it was something that I was aware of since I started comedy mm-hmm. as just one of the few festival spaces that was reserved specifically for women and femmes and was very uh, welcoming and cool. And it felt uh, it was an honor to, to do the festival. And it's a testament to Stacy. So Indeed. um you can't go now, but 
you really <laughs> missed out. It was cool. You can't go to the festival, but you can still go to Curious Comedy Theater. So check them out if you're ever in Portland or if you live in or nearby. Mm-hmm. And um, also just thanks to everyone who came out to the show, who watched the live stream. And then once again, you can grab on-demand tickets. You'll mm-hmm. see some of that extra stuff that we cut out of the audio-only episode. I think some of our best bits. Yeah, some really good stuff. You'll, some of our best onstage bits. You'll want to see it. A few things that we didn't get to in the live show really quickly. I would be remiss not to mention the guidance counselor showing up to the high school party. Yes, why a trope we still have not gotten rid of today as recently as book smart we still had teachers showing up to the party uncritically it is so fucking bizarre and i and and also i mean to that point um not really fun live show talk but i feel like really encourages an unhealthy uh relationship between teachers and students that can uh you know sort of normalize grooming tactics Mm. so yeah, I don't know. The teacher at my high school that went to parties was a groomer. Yikes. Yeah. Teachers don't go to student parties if don't. they're regular. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we touched on this in the episode, but I feel like it might be worth just saying a little further the the gals in the movie uh, you know, we've got Corey played by Lily Taylor. She's Lloyd's best friend, mostly just characterized by being obsessed with Lloyd and also being obsessed with the guy who broke her heart. She plays all those songs that she's written on the guitar about him. And I also, I mean, I think that, yeah, speaking to Corey's character, I think that a lot of people, I mean, at least I was seeing just in like what's been written about this movie and uh, what our audience said after the episode was that a lot of people saw themselves in Corey and also like to the point where it's like we would have even more people would have seen themselves in Corey if she had been given a proper arc mm-hmm. because I love like we were talking what like I think we talked about during the show like it is cool that she and Lloyd have a truly platonic friendship between a yeah. man and a woman, something we never, ever, ever get to see without it being like, will they or won't they? It never is. Like she, I mean, it is an issue that her defining character trait is that she thinks Lloyd is a great guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think it's cool that they both really like and respect each other and it's a friendship and it like, and it's not presented as a threat or a will they or won't they or something that, you know, even today is still a pretty rare dynamic to see in movies. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, again, we just have the case with Corey because I like Corey's character a lot, but we only see her really, in spite of the fact that I feel like we see her mostly talking to women, she exists mostly in relation to men. Because I have no issue with, like, writing torrid, shitty poetry about... <laughs> a horrible relationship like you know most people have done it at some point sure sure but for that to be like the only thing we get to know about her when it would it would have been so easy to build out a friendship between her and diane between you know her and and dc or like you know people we see her with but we don't know what the friendship dynamic is other than hanging out all day and being like lloyd is slaying so hard today (laughs) yet again 
DC, a character who we know even less about. Oh, for sure. So that was not great. And I just wanted to take a little bit more time than we had in the live show to examine that. But yeah, that's our episode on Say Anything. And I think you'll agree. We said whatever in that (laughs) episode. We kind of said anything, but we also said everything. Wow. Whoa. Hmm. Well, goodbye. <laughs> no, wait. You can uh, follow us online at in- on Instagram and, and still Twitter sometimes at Bechtelcast. You can uh, sign up for our Patreon, aka Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes a month. Yay! Including wow. access to 150 episodes of Backlog. Of back- Backlog makes it sound like backwash, which makes it sound not good. It's Gross. quite good all bangers good and then also check out our link tree for tickets for the on-demand uh video version of this say anything live show Mm -hmm. as well as our upcoming live shows that we're doing kind (laughs) of anywhere everywhere say anything say anywhere (laughs) (laughs) say anything everywhere all at once that is that is so true. The people needed to hear <laughs> my message. All right. Okay. Well, we will talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. We'll see anything later. You later. I don't know. It didn't work. Free Palestine. Bye. Bye. The Bechtel Cast is a production of iHeartMedia, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus, produced by Sophie Lichterman, edited by Mo Laborde. Our theme song was composed by Mike Kaplan, with vocals by Catherine Voskresensky. Our logo and merch is designed by Jamie Loftus, and a special thanks to Aristotle Acevedo. For more information about the podcast, please visit linktree slash Bechtelcast. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.